Manor. Hello and welcome to Tut Manor podcast. It is 2021, a new year, and we're back after a bit of a break because there's been no games, which has been very sad for everyone. Who have we got on today? We've got John, Jack, Connor, and myself, James. John, let's get straight into it. New Year's resolutions, go. Uh, more running, more tennis. Strong. Jack, go. Uh, more running, less eating of sh- not very nice things. <laughs> and Connor, come on. Uh, more cycling and less alcohol consumption. Okay, fine. I don't really have an answer, to be fair. I wish I should have thought about that before. I had the, I had the luxury of knowing what I was going to say. <laughs> I'm just going to say more running and, yeah, other things as well. Excellent. Um, right, so we've got quite a lot to cover because we haven't had a pod for three to four weeks, have we, since the turn of the year. So uh, we haven't talked about Burton, so we'll probably touch on that a bit. It was quite nice. Uh, obviously, Bristol Rovers, um, transfer stuff, wrap up what's gone on around League One and then preview Rochdale and Fleetwood. But um, we'll start with a bit of news um, and we'll probably have to start on a bit of a sad note. But as most Oxford fans will obviously know, we lost, um, we lose a lot of fans every year. And I notice um, kind of at the the last game of the season, we always reel off or Nathan will always reel off on the, the PA, all the fans that we've lost over the past year. So no one's any more important than anyone else. But obviously Lloyd Calcutt, was a big presence among the Oxford United community. And I think guys like Jack, you were saying just before we came on the pod, he was one of those kind of faces you would tick off at at every game, wasn't he? Yeah, especially away games in the kind of far north. You've got those faces that you don't know personally, but you you know to say hello to or you just recognise from being on a train and changing at Doncaster or something like that. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, he'll be, you know, a miss from from all those, um, those games. Yeah. So thoughts go out to, to Lloyd's friends and family. Um, I think the guy was only 38. Like, it's genuinely really tragic. So, yeah, it was great that the boys put in a really good performance for him yesterday. And I think Carl's words were really good as well uh, to reference Lloyd um, in the post and pre-match stuff. So that's that. Um, on to less important issues. The uh, Paint Pot Surprise Trophy. So we we beat, we beat um, Cambridge one nil. Um, Connor, did you? Say, I'm just going to put you on the spot. Do you remember what happened in this game? Yeah, Robbie Horse stuck a free kick in the top bins, and we won one nil. That's pretty much it, isn't it? That probably means he gets a seven year contract extension, doesn't it? Yeah. Do you know what? When he scored it, I literally turned to my dad and said something pretty similar. I was like, "That's another contract for him then." <laughs> top bins, one free kick. That's him done for the year. Does anybody yeah, else weird. find with the the pizza games that the lineup and the dynamics of who's in the lineup is more interesting than the actual game? <laughs> like, yeah, you look. Yeah. You look at it and go, "Oh, right, Ford's got sixty minutes, or Hall's come in," and because it used to be like they just put the youngsters in and it was you know, a bit of a non-event, even more of a non-event. Now it's like, okay, because we've had cancellations. And I looked at that game and was like, "Oh, the lineup's interesting," and then didn't yeah. even bother, didn't even bother with the rest of the game. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely more interested in it now because of the depth in the squad and wanting other you like you want Sam Winnell to do well don't you and stuff so you keep more of an eye on it than you probably would have otherwise to be honest that game probably helped us yesterday because if, if Brannigan hadn't got did he get 90 against Cambridge he got an hour at least if he'd mm. have had to come on with no minutes yesterday when McGuane went off we'd have been um 
probably a bit short. All yeah. hail, all hail the pizza trophy is what we're trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> a swift U-turn. We've got um, Wimbledon in the quarterfinal. Who's excited? Oh, what a surprise! Why do we always play Wimbledon in these competitions? That'll be the third time this year yeah. already, right? Yeah. Or this season, yeah. sorry. Yeah, we just love Wimbledon, don't we? Don't, have I ever told you guys I've got a friend who supports Wimbledon? <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Don't, yeah. tell us, don't tell us about it again. <laughs> um, transfer stuff then. Sean Clare picked up his bags and went to Burton Albion after we tore them a new one. Um, yes! <laughs> this was sorry. a bit of a, this was a bit of a weird one though. Like yeah. um the quotes from Sean Clare, uh, this is in relation to talking to Mr. Hasselbank. So he said, I've spoken to him a, a couple of times. He sees me as a central midfielder, and that's where I see myself. Someone who can be box to box, get forward, but also get back and help the team defend. Hashtag lol. You're not defending, Sean. Um, <laughs> I like getting on the ball, driving with it, and hopefully I can chip in with some goals and assists to help us up the table. Um Jack, discuss. Um, well, the assumption was as he went out, we had a replacement to come straight in. Obviously, that's gone tremendously well, and we don't. Um, and then the, the bit about the central midfield thing, well, up until about a year ago, he was a central midfielder. Hearts tried him as a right-back. We signed him deciding he was going to be the best right-back in the entirety of the UK. And... Um, He's clearly not. So it's a bit of a strange one all around, really. Do I, John, do you feel like it's it ever been mentioned, maybe apart from Jack mentioning it, that he was a central midfielder? I'd n- I never even thought that was an option. Uh, I remember that it was sort of made clear he, he was a converted right back, but he had played enough there to sort of give it credibility. I mean, I was I was surprised, as I think most people were, but then actually, as you thought about it, it made absolute sense. I think he just needs to play League One games, wherever that be on the pitch, climatised to that. And then if he does well, we've got something to think about. A lot of people would say the whole, yes, yeah, he's got pace and we need that. But I still don't think he's particularly... He's got a few assists, but I don't think he just has the presence to come on and sort of change certain high-pressure games. So I'm not too concerned about it. I think it's just one we've got to go. Didn't quite get right. And if we can get some money for him that's probably more important than trying to rescue something from him. Yeah. My, my only disappointment was I actually did felt or did feel that he came on and did well in that right wing position. So he had the assist. I think we talked about it last time we were chatting, John, but the assist for Henry away at Wigan, then there was an assist for one of the Taylor goals against Northampton, I think. And then he had the assist obviously for Schlong's goal at Plymouth. And so like in quite, quick succession like the amount of minutes he was getting versus important assists I thought he was doing okay um and it was just something a bit different but I think we still expect to see another winger brought in before the end of January so then I think your point is probably valid but yeah um so what do we think about players coming in so Connor we've lost Cadden's gone back to Scotland um Nathan Holland's been injured yesterday Gavin White is gone to uh, Hull. What do, you, what do you reckon we actually still need? Well, I mean, it's quite clear. Obviously, we just mentioned that, that we're still in uh, in for a winger. Uh, I was only talking to a friend yesterday after after the game. 
about uh, we, we we thought that James Henry had quite a poor performance and we're thinking that we really do need um, someone who can, can come and play on the left particularly because um, I think Shadipo did really well yesterday on the right-hand side with, with Long or Schlong rather. Um, so, yeah, I think a winger is clearly something that, that, that we need to address. Uh, it, is a, it is a bit of a shame with the there's kind of the rumours of Nathan Holland's injury or knock or whatever because um, I was quite quite looking forward to the prospect of having him back obviously Gavin White would have been lovely but it seems like he's kind of I don't want to say gone up in the world as in thinking that he's above us but you know Hull are a good team Hull are definitely going to go back up this season I think and um, you know he'll definitely get good minutes playing for Hull and I'm sure he'll do really well did Um, he start yesterday I think yeah he's started every game and scored once now so you know this proved to be the right move for him Mm. There, yeah, I mean, there I'm was not some, too sure about... Oh, sorry. Go on. I was just going to say there were some interesting comments um, from KR after the, the Bristol Rovers game yesterday where he kind of took the, the interview with Nathan um, from BBC Oxford this way himself and he said it's important now we're on this kind of best winning run for however many years it was since like the mid-90s or something. When things are going well, like he was saying, this is the time to improve the squad. This is when we actually have to go at it. This is when the board has to back us. And it kind of, John, it reminded me a lot of like some moments last season um, where there was this kind of thing around against like where he puts himself on one, like a different pedestal to where the board stands. And it like they're two separate entities again. And it, it was just felt a bit weird. Yeah. And, and you've got to think in the general footballing world, in sort of pandemic times and financial challenges, can you really call a board out around spending money at this sort of time? I can't imagine many players are moving for fees. Um, I think it's just a sort of been a funny window anyway, because it started off five, six weeks ago. Of we're in crisis. Players need to buck their ideas up or else I'll bring new players in to win a few games. Oh, actually, no, the squad's fine. We just need to tweak it a bit. And now it's at actually, no, we need to drop serious amounts of money on upgrades and I suppose that is where the squad is it's about upgrading players so we could push for promotion and take the step up but but they surely they're start you're looking at players that are going to come and impact the starting 11 aren't you yeah if we're now talking only to they've gone from saying four players that are needed to two I didn't hear the fans for him but apparently then it's gone to like two players that are needed yeah. because of players coming back and Brannigan feels like a new signing and whatever else um but yeah, that's what it seems the, like now. The kind of the pace on, as Connor mentioned, that's still a still a thing. It's still an option we need. I was wondering generally though, because we they're talking about getting a young centre back in the sort of next Rob Atkinson. Does it, do you think with the lack of crowds, you it's, this whole experience thing is as important? Because if the crowds were there, you'd think well, actually, an older head be come in, take how use that experience. But actually, if there's no crowds. Is that as much of a factor? I was sort of thinking out loud this morning. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's a very personal um, kind of experience with the crowds because some players, regardless of their age, will, will thrive having fans around while others would prefer, you know, technically in some, in some cases prefer not to have them. As in, I don't mean, oh, they don't want fans to come back into stadiums. I'm not saying that. I mean, they might, tra- they might train better because they don't have the pressure. And actually, yeah. that might reflect on how they play inside uh, stadiums behind closed doors. So, I think it's a very personal thing. You know, some players probably prefer 
to have a, a crowd back in them. Like I see Cameron Brannigan as one of those players. You know, he loves it when the crowd's kind of on his back because he just thrives off it. Whereas I'm others just, might kind of prefer it without without the added pressure. Yeah, I'm just thinking like if it's a a game which you know Portsmouth away or a, a, an important game where you know the crowd will be on us. A young team in that environment reacts differently to one with experienced heads and and so on. So that that yeah. was just what I was sort of spitballing out out loud. But we still need centre back cover, whatever it looks like. Definitely. So. Yeah, I wonder. I like Jack, Jack, what do you reckon though for that centre back? Do you think it's a case of yeah, someone in the Dickie Atkinson mould that you bring in then loan straight out and you've got cover, or do you think it's an experienced head so similar to last season we've got the three centre backs on rotation in you know how we had more Moose and um, Dickey and they would kind of you would chop and change and you would see any two of those starting matches and you'd be relatively content I mean I don't think it's going to happen but I'd almost be tempted to get both in and you have a young lad who's probably under 21 or at least doesn't count towards a squad cap and you loan him back out to older shot for example and then Very you clear. get a more senior pro who will be in and around the squad because if you sign a young lad on a 24-hour recall clause and he's been playing older shot and then Friday night he has to come back and play for us away at Sunderland, for example, that puts a lot of pressure on him almost needlessly. Um, yeah. So you'd like someone to be around the squad constantly rather than being potentially coming back or not coming back. Yeah. That's a good shout. Um, some stuff on like players potentially heading the other way. Jack, was it you that did some notes around kind of contracts and stuff like that? Yeah, so I was, I was just looking because the squad cap reduces next season from 22 players to 20. Um, so I just had a look at who is contracted and is over 21 in terms of the age uh, rule. So yeah. we've got 11 players contracted, which is a good start. But then you look at them and one of them's Claire, who we know could well be gone. One of them's Cooper. We don't know what's going to happen there. And one of them's uh, Derek Ossai. Again, a bit of an unknown. And KR said he wants to loan him out, even if that means we don't take up all our squad places this window. So he's going to be a bit of a strange one. But it's all the players that are out of contract. So you've got the likes of Musa, Beta, Gorin, Henry, who... The club have all got an option on to extend their deals. So you would think we'd probably do all of those. Um, Moose maybe not, depending if this in, if this surgery to his knee does write him off as a player. Um, and then I didn't know Ruffles was out of um Yeah, contract. so then you've, then you've got you've got Stevens and Ruffles who have made the shirts their own, who are both out of contract. You assume we renew them. But then the rest of the people, you likes of Hall, well, who knows, Ford good utility player to have around, but might you want to spend the wages elsewhere? So there's some interesting decisions to be made. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Ford left in the summer, not because I don't rate him, but because if I was him and he can get another contract to play a bit more regularly, if I was him, I'd go and do it. Um, Yeah, he'll absolutely go. It's the versatility, the hindrance of being versatile, isn't it? You don't end up getting as many, many games. Um, and then you've got the likes of Napa, who's just gone to Woking and doing very well with those lads down there. But you guess Napa goes. Um, Sykes, Sykes is a, well. yeah, Eastwood probably goes. Sykes is, I don't know, it just feels inevitable, doesn't it? Shame we're, shame we're not going to make any money on though, on him though, if he does. Well, he will go. Well, let's assume he does go. And that's a lost opportunity. 
Yeah. It's an interesting group of players there, but I think most fans would be able to go through that and probably pick a similar group of people that you'd expect to leave. Yeah. I'm just surprised that clubs can't, can't... I thought, like, beyond January, they can agree, like, Ruffles could ad- agree a contract with Grimsby if they came in now. Like, isn't that... A, that's not meant to be a beauty for Ruffles. <laughs> but, like, I thought... Or let's say Aldershot as another example. Um, can't they just come in now and offer them a deal for six months' time? Yeah. Like pre-contracts. It could be signed. Any of them could have deals signed as we speak. Yeah. Or, or, agree, or agreements that are basically sort of verbatim. Um, that's why you always get a thing about some players drop off because you know they know they're going somewhere else. If really I'm... sad about Sykes, though. I'm, I'm still not... You can't see what happens behind closed doors, but... Connor, I'm I'm not just speaking for you here either, but I'm sad with how that's kind of gone, like not even getting in the squad. Yeah, so am I. But on the next breath, you know full well that there's something gone on behind closed doors that is uh, probably going to push him out of the club. And it kind of brings me back to the kind of Cameron Norman type ideal that obviously Brooke came in, actually, you know, was a decent player and then ended up having a, a little bit of a fallout with the manager or something going on behind closed doors and then before you know it they're out the door so I do feel like that is going to happen with Sykes unfortunately because Sykes does yeah. have well the thing is though is I say this with a little bit of a pinch of salt because we always say that Sykes has potential but particularly this season when he's had his chance he's not really lit you know he's not really lit the pitch of light has he um yeah he's had some decent games but I know you, you might say he might not have might have had as many chances as he did the previous season but he's he's not looked you know, he's not one of those players that you think, right, his name has to be on the team sheet because when he has played, he's been absolutely fantastic. So I yeah. I kind of see it from two ways. You know, if, if he's not really performing, then is he surplus to requirements? It's one of them that fans, KR, it, the way it feels to me is that KR assesses his performance with like the finest comb. Like the oh, comb that you use for like yeah. kids yeah. when they've got nits. Yeah. Whereas like the other players have got... Like a they get away with a bit more. Home. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like yeah, it's like yeah, it's like I was saying this about Henry. Like I don't think Henry's been particularly good this season, and I think that just because he's such an experienced player and he's obviously got a big presence in the dressing room, yeah, um, that he kind of his mistakes kind of just get brushed under the carpet. Whereas that's, that's a, not the, that's not the same sort of thing with players like Sykes. That's a good point. To be fair. Um, uh, final thing on transfers, like you kind of referenced players out on loan, but Lofthouse and Spazoff, Jack, seem to be doing well. Um, are they, they're at Woking, aren't they? Um, yeah, both of them. They're, they're regular starters playing 90 most weeks. So of of all those young players in recent seasons that have gone out on loan, I don't think many, if any, have been in the conference for a full season. So you would assume they'll come back and at least challenge for a first team place in pre-season and maybe get loaned out again league two perhaps lower end of league two um but i think they're definitely being lined up to be a part of our future more so than some players who get loaned out and never seen again yeah is is um lofthouse playing at right back do you know i think so yeah yeah cool um right football stuff so john we played burton and it was fun it was very fun and a good time to have played them as well because they uh, they won their next game after we we played them. Um, yeah, and it frustrated me because I was I think I did the preview when we last on the last pod and was like we need to be careful. They've got some good players. This could be tricky. 
Then KR said it as well before the game. Then Radio Ox, and I thought, right, I'm covered if we back. You were the it. first to get there, though. It's no, no, right. I'm not claiming that. I'm just claiming. No, cover. They heard you when then... for when if we did batter them, at least I'd cover from everyone else. And, <laughs> yes. and, thank, and then thankfully we did batter them, and it was you know as I say an, an excellent performance um, with some just ridiculous goals, but missed goal <laughs> missed chances as well. Yeah, let's go through the goals because I've kind of forgotten about this. So the first goal was kind of lofted ball over from. Uh, Josh Raffles wasn't it and then it was a nice kind of dinked finish from Taylor so 1-0 in like the 10th minute or whatever second goal was Shadipo's audacious kind of like shot from the edge of the box top corner where the ball was actually kind of behind him wasn't it when he kind of kicked it so it's an incredible finish um, and then the third one I love I just love any kind of low cross and a first time finish from like penalty spot another Shadipo goal Kane bloody Hemmings notched a disgraceful goal back for the. <laughs> I did have like a moment of fear at that point because I was like, it got then went into half time and we were like, uh, you, you just don't know with us sometimes because we'd had a few games where game management wasn't quite there. Burton um, really were poor. Though. I mean, they were like really yeah. high up on us, and we were genuinely like carving them open easily and. Uh, Stevie Kinnebrew was on the commentary and it was this brilliant moment where he was like, he was getting so enraged that he couldn't work out what the Burton system was. And none of us could either <laughs> because it was like, are they pressing high? Are they being low? They've got a low line or whatever. And then he just goes, this is like kids football. Cause there's like, it was like nine players, Burton players in the corner chasing the ball. And I was like, absolutely fair point. Why on earth? What on earth are they doing? They haven't got any pace at the back yet. They were letting, there was no space and goal cover in midfield. So yeah, but I think they've improved a little bit since. Didn't um, Jack? I don't know if you remember, but like Hasselbank after the game was kind of just kind of looking at it and saying like it was a ridiculous performance. We just gave them. I think he even referenced something around like us, like men v boys type thing. Um, but yeah, seemed to be not full of praise for his side, but he must have got into them enough, as John said, to get them a result in the next match. Yeah, I was going to say he's come in and signed about five players, although one of them is Sean Clare. So you wonder about what. <laughs> plan he has for them um i, I mean, still think sean claire's gonna do well honestly i i guarantee i reckon he'll be back should we do a poll as to whether he'll be back in an oxford shirt starting games for us because i think he will he's yeah, not a bad footballer no one's saying, right back yeah no, i'm not i'm not convinced that he's a very good footballer full stop to be honest i've i've, I've criticized him since day one and i'm i'm that's why when you said earlier about him leaving i went yay because i don't rate him so i'm, I'm, not, I'm not convinced I'm not, I'm gonna fucking sponsor him from through the Tinder <laughs> podcast. Oh, I wonder if I can still sponsor his shirt because I believe, guys. Hashtag Claire. Well, that that Let's is a, a pod split, a pod split up issue. Here, here you go. Here's, here's, a question, here's a question then: If he goes to Burton, does really well playing in central midfield, and he comes back to us, do we then have to play him in central midfield? I can't see any way he comes back to us and plays because if he does well in the, central midfield, someone will sign him. If he comes back having not done well, then we're not going to play him. I think he'll the, play he, right wing for them, I reckon. I reckon he'll play some game centre midfield and I reckon he'll end up out there. If he came like, back as a centre midfield player and Ford left then I can see him staying because you'd use him as like a utility player. Because if he can if he can perform in centre midfield and then on the right, then play him. But in my opinion, I don't think he'll do very well at Burton anyway. So 
I don't think we'll see him back. And if he is back, I reckon he'll just rot on the bench, to be honest. <laughs> just, don't, just, don't, just don't rate him. That's wow, all I really don't. Wow. Um, I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm wondering if we like... I didn't say I just... wanted him to rot on the bench. I just said he will. <laughs> You're on your if own, we... James, is what the conclusion is. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty yeah. much, James. Yeah, you can put on your if, own, mate. If we consolidated all the Sean Clare chat that we've had over previous pods into, it would be like a full two-hour episode of arguing. Um be beautiful. Um, right. We, we scored two more goals in that um, second half and they were both dreamy, weren't they? So Ruffles had that goal, edge of the box, really low, low finish. And also when the ball was kind of coming across him when he hit it and really not easy to do. Did you see um, the, uh, the, the behind the goal shot for that goal? It was absolutely beautiful. No. The way he, way he cut across it, like you say, and it kind of like... Like the way the ball like curved into the bottom corner, it was actually, it was so nice. It's such a great angle. That oh, was nice. a great strike. And um, the fir- the fifth goal was my favourite. I don't know about you guys, but it was that one-two between Long and McGuane, and then Long carried on the run. You know, he's got that newfound confidence, doesn't he, to just always yes, yeah. be thinking forward about worrying about passing backwards. So carried on his run, passed back to Ruffles, and then another really nice finish. And like we just, I send that to a mate who's an Arsenal Arsenal fan after the game and he was just like I was like I know it's Burton but look at this and he was like that is he was full of praise and I just felt really proud of it's like it's it's such a nice goal Um, it's like I see on I see on Twitter after that game people were calling long long Aldinho yeah there was a lot of the Brazilian stuff wasn't there there was and Andrew from Andrew from the Yorkshire Yellows yeah, group got something read out a few times of by Robin Cowan about compare. What did he say? It was something like putting the solid fullback on furlough and then retraining his Cafu or something, and that got read out <laughs> multiple times or something. Um, it's it is interesting though. We on the pod, I think we discussed the other week, Jack. Like, would both of our fullbacks be targets for any other club in the top half of League One? And we had quite yeah. a big debate about it. And then suddenly they've decided to, yeah, Roberto Carlos one side, Cafu the other. Well, it's been yeah. a combination of things, hasn't it? Because obviously KR dropped, uh, name dropped Chris Cadden prior to the Burton match, maybe even during December, saying, you know, he's the type of fullback we want. Sam Long's very solid defensively. And then it's like that's just dropped into Sam Long's mind and he's he's been watching Chris Cadden videos and decided he's going to become this attacking player. <laughs> which to stay in the to stay in the team and be what KR wants a fullback to be, he's absolutely nailed it. Um and he has he's you know, he's improved massively from the Sam Long of two seasons ago. He used to come in and play five games when someone was injured or suspended. Um so you know credit to him because he's still young as well. Yeah. We were saying yesterday when we were watching the Bristol game as well, like we were just chatting about it as a group and saying he seems to now believe he deserves to be in that position. And when he has the ball, he's now got the confidence to like put off the first time pass to like get his head up to look forward. It's just that the confidence must be a massive, massive thing for him keeping this going as well. And you could just see it again yesterday. He was still going for the one twos and flying down the right hand side, wasn't he? He was still Yeah a really good performance I mean, um, I mean you look at the two the two best players to come out of this season so far I mean Long and Stevens for me have been the two kind of revelations so far and they're both you know both homegrown players so it's it's nice to see them finally breaking through yeah yeah absolutely so let's talk about that game then Bristol 
came into it. Um, I didn't realise how badly they were doing this season. I think bec- that's mainly because they picked up a few results here and there that stuck in my mind. Like they they beat Plymouth 3-0. They'd done Blackpool relatively recently. And then early on in the season, they'd had like away wins at Lincoln and stuff. So I just, for whatever reason, I didn't really realise they were, they were still down there and struggling. Um, but they, they'd come off the back of uh, three defeats. But as... Uh, Tisdale said after the game, their recent games against Crewe and Charlton, I think they lost to, well, they only lost by like fine margins and that he felt they absolutely deserved something out of those games. So they've been in and amongst it. Um, and jumping forward, I guess, he was saying that in this game, he didn't feel like they deserved anything, which was his main kind of criticism of his team. But we started as we did against Burton, as you might expect. And um, John, like early you know, early signs in the game. I think first 10 minutes, it was difficult to see which way it was going to go. Um, high tempo and just kind of all over the place, open game. Yeah, it was a little bit of a League 2 game start. There was a lot of head tennis and uh, stuff like that. And I mean, we looked a bit scrappy. The back line was a bit out of shape quite a lot. And and I think all through the game at times, offensively, we didn't quite make decisions quick enough, even though we had a lot of good chances. And uh created some good crossing opportunities and so on. But yeah, I mean, it, it got moving. Um, just wasn't a particularly assertive start by either team. Was was the turning point, Jack? McGuane kind of went off. Uh, actually, to be fair, McGuane was probably our, one of our better performers in the first like 15 minutes or so. He comes off and um, I'd like to say like a more leaner, fitter looking Cam Brand comes running on the pitch because he looked like he'd you know obviously it's understandable he's been on steroids and whatever but he, he kind of had a bit of timber with him and he he's obviously lost that came on the pitch and he it's fair to say he had a great game I thought yeah I thought um Brannigan coming on enabled the other two in Kelly and Gorin to kind of rotate so obviously Gorin normally naturally holds but in the second half especially Kelly was sitting a bit deeper with Gorin further forward I think Brannigan as a bit more of a disciplined midfielder, but then perhaps McGuane, who's a bit more flary, if that's a word, um, enables the other two to, to rotate as necessary. Um, I know we had a discussion during the game about how well or not Liam Kelly played. I thought first half he was quite good, um, but he is that kind of almost Hollywood-style creative midfielder where he'll pull off a wonderful 30-yard crossfield pass and then shin a pass from five yards into the stand. Um <laughs> But yeah, I agree. I thought I thought Brannigan, considering what he's had to go through in the past three or four months, looked well ahead of where I would expect him to be this far into his comeback. So that's a massive, you know, tick going forward, especially if McGuane's injury is a couple of weeks or longer. It was it was interesting because KR said after the game that Cam was playing in that number ten type role, but it didn't feel I didn't feel like he was that far forward. He seems I see, to be involved. I thought the opposite. Player. I thought I I thought he was kind of playing in that area because I I found him a bit further up. There's a few times in the first half where he got the ball on the edge of the box and played a few little or tried to play a few passes through into Taylor. I thought actually it's quite good to see Cameron a little bit further up the pitch because I I think technically Cameron Brannigan is you know up well, him and McGuane, I feel like are, uh, the two most technical players in our team. Um, even after Cameron's injury, I thought he looked really good yesterday. Another thing that looked really good is the crossing first. Like we were saying <laughs> as a group, there was a few moments where we were like, lovely cross. But it's mainly like the th- the reason why it stood out is because from corners and then from the wing play, 
we we definitely called out in recent times that the crossing just looked what's the word where you, you you're aimless in a way you just kind of try and put it towards an area whereas actually it seemed to have a lot of direction around the balls we were putting in we were really unlucky to probably not have a couple of goals going into half time um mainly because of the good crossing that was coming in we we varied the delivery of the crossing as well in past games or matches or earlier on in the season they were just kind of hope hitting hopes into the box but we do vary it now they go deep they go along they go along the floor from either side from a bit deeper from the byline so it's almost brought a new option to our attack in where we do look reasonably threatening from crosses it must be feeding off from the stuff we're doing with corners as well because they've got a real yeah. variation and and the movement of the players is obviously different because it's set piece versus in play but there was just intent on them and uh you know, another day we probably get on the end of some of them. I think um, on the Kelly point, like I think I think he had a pretty good game actually. There were a few occasions where he hit a pass that looked like it was a bit aimless. I actually think it was players not making the movement for him, and that was all he kind of had could do. Um, I like the fact this role he plays is a sort of a bit of a variation of all different things. There's a bit of off the ball, more off the ball stuff. Um, but I agree with Jack that I think. Kelly and Gorin are actually in that that rhythm now about how each of the plays and Gorin drops into the three and Kelly roams a bit. Um, but I just he's not been the player I think we all thought. I think he, I was like you. I thought he'd be a bit more Hollywood, but he actually does a lot of the sort of five yard, yeah. ten yard passes, and then occasionally hits a decent pass. But if Brannigan wants to do the crossfield and the sexy stuff, then I think he's fine with that. I, I yeah, I was second half especially when I started to get a bit nervous about you know potentially we're going to lose grip on the game or something. I, I just started to notice Kelly uh, a little bit more. And I think I was saying what I really need to do to kind of justify any of my criticism is get like a tally chart there where I've got like a line that I tally for like successful passes, another line for where he's gone for a, a Hollywood pass and you kind of let him off because he's tried something creative and then another line for where, as Jack says, he kind of shins it all over the place or loses possession. The like, thing like... the thing with Kelly is I think he's one of those players that actually has a lot more touches in a game than we all realise. He's yeah, often definitely. the kind of second touch in a passing move. So it will go Goran into Kelly, out to Henry, but you'll forget that Kelly was ever involved in the move unless it's been a Hollywood-style pass or a, a misplaced pass. He's, he yeah. reminds me a little bit of Simon Cliston that you can't really say what he does a lot of the time, but he's always involved in the play somewhere. Yeah, and I didn't. So, I think, as I was saying, I don't think we expect him to be Simon Clist. If that yeah, makes if that makes sense. No one can be Simon Clist <laughs> apart from Simon Clist. Um, there's a there's a note there's a note here that John likes his vaccines at room temperature. <laughs> I mean, I think this was an attempt at vaccine banter, and uh, <laughs> talk, talk, talking about how the I fact we don't we're all. Uh, all loyal to taking the Oxford vaccine when we get yeah. round to, when we get round to it, um, probably sometime in September. But For um, sake. I think it was, I think it was when you were there, which obviously most people listening weren't. So um, yeah, moving on. Sorry for that, John. That's right. <laughs> um, we score a goal probably around the half hour mark. I think um, if you're a Bristol Rovers fan, this type of thing pisses you off so much because was it a corner or a free kick? I think it was a corner, wasn't it? Corner. yeah. Corner, yeah, so it comes yeah. in really deep. We win the first header. Uh, I think we win the second header. Then Moore wins the third header. 
and then uh, Taylor kind of pokes it pokes it into the roof of the net. Connor, like, do you not think you're going mental? And I, if if this was the other way around and we conceded that, I think yeah, we'd be laying yeah. into. Too. Yeah, you would be because you've basically just lost you've lost three headers or three aerial drills in your own penalty box, and then when the ball's finally dropped, you've got the the striker on the other on the end of it and, and obviously flicked it in. So, I mean, from from our point of view, it's great to score from a corner, um, and obviously Matty Taylor loves scoring against <laughs> Bristol Rovers because, uh, as we all know, Matty Taylor hates the gas. So, it's a good start, wasn't it? Not sure how much he hates the gas. He hates the gas. He absolutely really hates them. He, I think he said uh, afterwards he didn't hate the gas that much. Did you see? Like, you just go on to you just go on to Twitter and the, and the first yeah, thing you see when Matty Taylor scores, it's every Oxford fan, including myself, tweeting Matty Taylor hates the gas. And even if he says he doesn't, he does. I went on. I went on some of those threads on Twitter, like the Bristol Rovers like <laughs> thread where they announced the goal. But yeah. it was just like Bristol City fans. Well, no, I thought it was actually like ninety percent Oxford fans trolling oh, and limited reaction. Bristol City oh, fans, it was Bristol well, City fans. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're right. Sorry. It's Bristol City fans posting the GIF of Matty Taylor when he played for them, and obviously they did that goal celebration thing. So like every player had a GIF whenever they scored, and Matty Taylor had that toy snake for his for his GIF when he, when he played for when he played for uh, Bristol City. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. That's yeah, crazy. yeah. I'll I'll send it to you later. It's great. It's great. <laughs> Taylor um, Taylor did that podcast that um they the um Bristol Rovers one that um that they flagged up to us and uh, I think that went down reasonably well. So I don't know. Yeah, it's a funny one to gauge, isn't it? I just it's just like ah. when you're at, when you're at that level and you you're earning a certain amount and you're getting yeah I don't know. I mean, I fans fans will always create their own narrative around it anyway, like exactly, like yeah. we do, like we do with the Matty Taylor hates the gas thing. You know, it's all a bit of fun, really, isn't it? Um, so we we ne- we had a couple more chances, but went into half time one nil up. Um, second half kind of started again a bit scrappy from both sides, um, but as the game went on, we seemed to kind of manage the game a bit better. Jack, I thought. Yeah, we the the. Starts to the first and second were very similar, that we looked almost sleepy. Um, but yeah, as the game went on, Gorin kind of started to dictate the kind of middle of the pitch a bit more. Um, Shadipo on the right-hand side, where he actually looked quite promising, um, formed a little partnership with Long, and we, we started to threaten going forward. I mean, we were hardly tearing them open at every every attack we had, but we, we looked more dangerous, at least with you know the ball in our, in our possession. Um, yeah. Just mentioning back in the first half, talking about crosses, one cross that was uh, utterly inept was Henry pulling the ball back from the byline. Um, oh, yeah. And Brannigan was there yeah, like, waiting for you it. You did feel thing. that could be a moment that comes back to haunt us kind of thing. Um, obviously, luckily, it didn't. But yeah, second half, we without you know tearing them apart, we started to um, kind of control the game, which you know, yeah. is good to see. It's interesting. I just remembered um, Shadipo, John, there was one moment where you were talking about how Shadipo was actually just taking people on down the line and swinging across him, which we, we'd seen a bit more dillying and dallying from him. Um, and then also him and Henry swapped wings at one point, hence why he was out on the left for that moment that Jack's just referenced. But yeah. do you think Henry, again, we kind of talked about it again, but no significant moments really from him in the game again but 
still relatively solid performance. I'm still trying to work out like depending on what what type of winger we bring in, and you've got a beater who's not starting games, whether that's an option as well, where you might have Shadipo on the right and a beater on the left. But I think this, the sheer number of games we've got to play will dictate something like that. Um, I mean, I didn't just don't disagree about Shodders yesterday in terms of his performance was pretty good. But there were a couple of times where he made the wrong decisions when getting played in down the right-hand side to cross the ball. And he, he had plenty of time and he actually made mistakes around that. So, All right, maybe my <laughs> maybe I took your point in the completely opposite way. No, I, thought I, you meant, I thought you were saying it as a compliment. No, he, but no, I, I think I know what you're referring to. And that was, I think it was in the first half maybe, where he just genuinely did like pushed it past and sort of did a traditional knock and run almost. Yeah. And he doesn't do that as much. So I know I, I agree on that, but he's just a few moments where he didn't quite make the right decisions when really good times. But Henry's, Henry's for me, you know, broken record on this. He's in there for sort of, he can make decisive passes and that wins games, but I don't, I, he's not um, shielded from criticism, not whatsoever. Well, we had a, we had a debate, didn't we actually about Henry's contract situation? I know Jack obviously talked a bit about it earlier. So we've got an option on, on him and you were saying, John, you would absolutely jump at that, right? I'd abs- yeah, I mean, I think in a perfect world, we maybe it might be it'd be one year over two, but I don't. I'm sure Henry's looking for two from us or or another suitor. And how old is he? Thirty two, I think. Jack, correct me if I'm yeah, it'll wrong. Yeah, he'll be thirty two at the end of the season. Um, yeah. But I think well, that's still a pretty good age. He's not. He's never had. Well, he's not a pace player. Um. So Annie and Chaos clearly established him as one of the sort of senior people in the dressing room. So. I don't see why you'd get rid of him, except yeah. assuming he doesn't want ridiculous wage demands and salary caps and so on. If anyone needs to know the age of any player, it's Captain Ox on Twitter. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, so we go, we go 2-0 um, up. And this goal, Connor, this goal was quite weird because it was one of those moments where you remember that you're watching I Follow and you've got some shite cameramen. <laughs> you didn't want to have a fl- flashback to that. Uh, what was that? What was that game last season when that cameraman zoomed in on him? That's right. It was Blackpool, wasn't it? Gary Medin, wasn't it? Went for one goal. Oh he yeah, on the back of his that. heels. Yeah, suddenly we're all having a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what that kind of reminded me of because it was at that end as well, wasn't it? But it, uh, like you could, there was no way, even with the replays, to work out whether Taylor was oh, on side. Yeah, but really, it was really similar in a way to that. Um, ball that Raffles played over against yeah. Burton as we mentioned earlier so lofted ball kind of lands like middle to the right hand side of the pitch and then Taylor's clean through um, really, really good finish quite, or yeah I mean it was also a little bit similar to the to the goal that he scored well he was offside and he got booked for in, in, the, in the game on Saturday because um, that was a similar kind of similar, similar ball through when he went one on one with the goalkeeper um, but no, for his for his goal, it was a great finish. I mean, I thought I thought he'd taken a few too many touches and kind of pushed it a little bit, kind of made it a little bit easier for the goalkeeper, kind of gave the keeper a bit of a better angle yeah. to to kind of save it. But he, he tucked it under him really well in the end. And did it go over I him? Mean, I thought it was a dink. Was it not a dink? I thought it was, I thought it was underneath. It was him. under him, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really. Under yeah, that's really weird. I, I watched yeah. it like ten times. I was convinced he dinked him. I was really proud of him. <laughs> I, I thought mean, that. The keeper, Even I thought, way. was really slow with his movement, but fair well, the, keeper I thought, might have, the keeper might have well, thought it was offside as well. 
It's poor keeping. Yeah. Like you'd want the keeper to do better. It's, it's interesting because Taylor in his interview almost gave credit to the keeper for forcing him to only have one option, i.e. couldn't go near post, couldn't curl it round him. He had to kind yeah. of hit it hard and low or yeah. slid it as Taylor described. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those chances that you'd put your, you'd still put your house on Matty Taylor scoring it because that's just the way he is. You know, he's fantastic at those sort of one-on-one opportunities. And that's why I'm, I'm so happy that we have a player like him at the top of the pitch because, like I said, I would, I'd put my house on him scoring those chances. No problems. Sorry, my uh, child's just ran in the room. <laughs> it's like that BBC interview it's with that bloke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> push, just push your child out of the way. Yeah. It's so awkward, that isn't it? It's like, come on, just just roll with it, embrace it, have a bit of a smile. Anyway, um, <laughs> so a beta and Winnell come on that helps to kind of highlight some of the depth. I think uh, Winnell came on like seventy fifth minute, and there was ten minutes of extra time to play with this obviously as well because of the what was it that looks very polite with your words about sam winnell because either way he was uh standing he was standing there looking very sort of like gentlemanly and ready to um go hunting he had his, he had his hands like connected behind his back as he was yeah. coming on it was like he was about to serve the queen on a, in a banquet <laughs> i didn't really notice him when he was on the pitch so i was gonna say can, can i raise a question to the uh to the boys Panel. What do what do yeah the panel what do what do we actually what are our honest opinions on Sam Winnell at the moment at this stage since we've had him because too, too I have early. very you think it's too early right okay yeah I, I, I didn't say anything <laughs> I, see I don't know I just feel like it's going to be one of the biggest wastes of money this season and going forward because he's injured which means he's not playing and when he does play he offers absolutely nothing I but just, when you've got Matty Taylor one. like I know but even in the cup up. games he's been. He's just, uh, he's Wasn't there some stat like Taylor's already played as many games this season as he did last, or something like that? So the fact Taylor's not had like a little a little groin strain or some of the things he normally has done, so it's almost a bit of that that we've got away with not needing Winnell to kind of play a bit. But you might be right, Connor. But I think he just need he just needs four or five good solid. I'm fully fit type appearances. Yeah, I mean, I'm look, looking at Winnell's minutes on the pitch, he's had as a sub 13, 22, 26, 34, 26 and 15. So he's not played over half an hour coming off the bench. And he's obviously he's played in the two pizza games, but they're such a strange kind of game to play in because there's different players on the pitch, etc. I I think he'll come good, but... When we only play one up front, he's got he's got to phase himself into full fitness, having these kind of cameos off the bench. Once we get into these twenty three games to go in less than half a season, we might see him starting a bit because Taylor's, as we've just said, Taylor's probably due a knock at some point. So I'd like to see him from the start to kind of properly appraise him or not. I think um, yeah, I think he will. I, I think um, Connor. By the way, stop fondling your mic. Am I so much my mind, going oh, sorry. I can't even see. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised if he, um, like, starts against Rochdale, for example, and he gets like 50, 60 minutes or something. Um, mm. You've got to imagine at some point, like, KR hey, will give him that opportunity and give give Matty Taylor a bit of a rest. Um, sorry, Connor, what are you going to say? I'm just intrigued because I'd love to know what wages he's on because he's got to be on a fair whack. I th- and I, I think, think so. for the money yeah. that he's probably on, I don't think he's going to be justifying that because if you've got a player who's he's you know he, he's had a real torrid time with injury, and then 
if his impacts off the bench are going to be pretty below par for the foreseeable, then it does make you wonder what he does offer. That's kind of my my take on things. You know, but I know we've had someone like yeah. Aji who, you know, Aji, to be fair to him, I think has offered more off the bench than than most. Um, so I, there's parts of me that just think for winners for the for the money that the winner is going to end up costing us. I don't know if he's going to. It, well, I mean, if he comes good, then brilliant. Obviously, that's. I've changed my tune pretty quick. The thing is, though, he's he not going to come. He's not going to repl- like. We play with one central striker, and we happen to have two very experienced central strikers. I don't think Winnell's ever going to be given an opportunity to come good if Matty Taylor's fit. Like, as in, he's oh, never going to be able to have. Yeah. Like, he's never going to replace him and start having a run of games. So it's going to have to be that they both rotate. But Matty Taylor's always going to get two out of the three games. Um, you know, under his belt. But I think to Jack's point, Winnell has to start a league game. And then I think you can start to critique where he's at, um, especially after getting back to fitness. Because again, he's one of them that seems to carry a little bit of weight um, and needs players in and around him. He's that type of link type of striker, isn't he? Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. So it will be interesting to see, but I think he needs to be starting some league games. Um, I, like I said, maybe Tuesday will be where we'll see him. So we'll have to see. Um, Atkinson and Moore, John, like we, I think we were saying, it's it's weird, isn't it? What like a month or six weeks does, but we were talking before about the experience at the back, like lack of leadership, all of these things were being thrown around, especially by us at one point. And now you kind of look at it, Moore's winning every header yesterday. Atkinson again, really dominating performance, didn't carry the ball out as much as we've seen in previous games, but. And then obviously Ruffles and Long are now Brazilian. So it's just, it seems to be kind of clicking into place there. They seem to be a proper unit. Yeah, I mean, Elliot Moore's, I think he's the one that's, he has actually since being made captain, really seen a step change. And that that is something he doesn't necessarily, he's a bit of a weak link people make sometimes, but he's, he's definitely seen a change in him. Um, yeah, you really can't complain. I thought, they didn't struggle because they were so good. The two of them, like their number nine for Bristol Rovers, I think Hamlin, he was lively. Hamlin, yeah. He was lively, and he went down the middle of the second half and caused a few problems. But I think we're just in a really, really good place with um with the defence and Goran, as we know, is a big part of giving it that that sort of solidity. So yeah, I think five, it was a brilliant five clean sheets, yeah. five clean sheets in eight games, last eight league games. Which is uh, interesting. How long, Jack, did we go without a clean sheet? Maybe like... It was like 18 20... games, wasn't it? 18, 19 games. Yeah. So to go from that to five in the last eight just shows how we've really turned that corner. Because it still sticks out in the table how many goals we've conceded, which is the point we're just making. If you look at the teams relative to us further up, only Charlton have conceded, Charlton and Crew have conceded more. Um, it's a shame, but there we are. Yeah. Um, okay, and I thought Connor, like we managed the rest. Of, you know, given there was like ten minutes added on, we actually managed the game pretty well from the point we went two 0 up. Um, so there was what still like twenty five, thirty minutes to play actually from that point, and didn't really feel there was. I think there was one one or two moments where they kind of got in, but otherwise we seemed to seem to do pretty well. Yeah, like you say, I think we managed the game. Really well, I think. Obviously, the the Stevens uh, save oh, yeah. was was, uh, was unbelievable. Um, 
I mean, he's plucked that out the top bins. I'm not really sure how he's managed that, to be honest. But but yeah, that was fantastic. And I think from then onwards, really, it was a, a confidence-inspiring performance that kind of saw us through. And I say another another clean sheet, which is you know it's great. It's I'm actually really pleased for Stevens. Like, I I really do think you know fair play to him because he's he's really bided his time get to you know, get to this point to have this opportunity of consecutive games as the number one goalkeeper and he's really you know kind of solidified his place now um as as clearly our number one and again another clean sheet is fantastic for him and also the back four i mean the whole team really but you know the def- defenders and goalkeepers are the ones who really want clean sheets so yeah. it's really good and i say the, the way we managed the game at the end was was great and I mean, to be honest with you, it was just one of those performances. I think from from pretty much when we got the first goal, I I I personally didn't feel uneasy for 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 much of the game. I thought we had relative control out, over it. Um, you know, we kind of shut Rovers down quite well, and they only really had. I can off the top of my head, I can only think of two chances where they really tested tested Stevens. How often we don't beat them very much. It was much publicised, wasn't it? So we we were talking about this, weren't we, Jack? Before it was like we've had that. 1-0 win away at their place where Mowat scored. We've had the win where Roof scored that belter. We beat them in the League Cup 6-1 or something at one point. But then, was that about it? Had we ever beaten them at the Kassam? Yeah, but it was six straight defeats since like 2010 at home against them. So we were due. We were due a win against them at home. And um, that was our best. I saw Ox blogger post. Yeah, it's the best like winning streak um, in all competitions of like that, that goes back 39 years that we're on now. Um, how many? It's only six, six isn't it? Six, yeah, six in a row we've won, yeah. and then eight unbeaten, but six in a row, yeah. So hopefully, we'll, we'll get another get another good result on Tuesday, and then we'll uh, you know, break that record. Yeah, yeah. That'd be good, wouldn't it? You've got to back us. Um, definitely. KR's re- KR's reaction just said kind of what you'd expect, I think, like really impressed with the performance after the first 10 minutes when he, when we kind of got a grip on the game. <laughs> he was talking to someone, like he was being interviewed by Radio Oxford's KR and then Matty Taylor was obviously kind of nearby and he was like, Matty, what do they call you again? A snake? And then he just went, <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, yeah, Matty has been slithering around in the box all game and they couldn't handle it. And I quite enjoyed that. <laughs> that was um, and he ref, but yeah, he referenced the depth in the squad again, and he talked about it pre-match around you know Winnell and Abita coming on, um, the difference that makes, and how Sykes and Hansen and people weren't even making the squad. Uh, McGuane, we haven't really talked about the extent of that injury, um, but we it looked like it might be a knee issue, which is you know could potentially mean he's played his last game in an Oxford shirt, but it, perhaps it's a thigh problem. But I don't know if there's any noise on that this morning. I don't think so. Um, I heard it was a thigh. Yeah, from, from yeah. Grapevine. So I hope, if um, anything, you hope it's muscular because if it's muscular, he'll he'll be able to bounce back a lot quicker. Um, so hopefully, it is that. Yeah, fingers crossed, absolutely, because he's he's come into his own, hasn't he? And he has the, yeah, the other stuff. The other stuff KR said were the things I mentioned earlier on around transfer dealings and you know putting this is now the the time to put our foot down on and off the pitch was the the main kind of message that he was trying to get across um and he did actually i forgot to mention this earlier but he referenced how he at, when he was at mk dons this was the time where he was really disagreeing with the chairman and when he ended up leaving was because of this type of debate which again i found um 
interesting. But right. like I said, Nathan really challenged him on some of this stuff, which I thought was quite good. I find this this talk of transfers quite interesting as well because we can clearly see that during COVID, there's cert- certainly more difficult to get players in through the door at various clubs. I mean, I saw some, I can't remember what the exact stat was, um, about how this January there's been the lowest ever uh, amount of European players moved to the Premier League and that sort of thing. So there's obviously, I know that mostly in, in lower league, we, we kind of deal with, um, players who are already in England, but I do feel like COVID is obviously having a massive impact on on the way that clubs operate, because just from a safety perspective. Um, so I can't imagine this this window being particularly easy to bring in the targets that you you can't have the top of your list anyway. So I feel like maybe if he's putting so much pressure on the board, it's, it's I'm not convinced speaking out in the media is the best way to do to do it anyway. No. To be honest, I I think it's in my as much as I love KR and mm. I know that he kind of wears his heart on his sleeve, but I do think sometimes it's best to keep those sort of things behind closed doors and just you know you deal with those. The fans don't need to to start piping up about this sort of stuff. Do you not think Tiger and people take with a pinch of salt now and then? Just like oh, they probably Carl. do. Yeah, Come yeah, I, yeah. They probably do it to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're probably a little bit sick of it because he said it. Like you said, he said it so many times. Um, but I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what happens by the end, by the end of the uh, end of the window because we haven't got long now. You know, just you know, just over a week. So let's... I'm not that bothered anymore. No, <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not. I'm not overly fussed. Like you say, I think the the squad does look pretty pretty decent. I think like you mentioned earlier about the OB to coming off the bench and that sort of thing. You know, we have we have got decent squad depth. I, but I'm just I, intrigued I think to see it's... if it does go anywhere, you know, if we do bring another sign in there I, or not. It's obviously the, still the centre-back and right-wing thing. Um, yeah. But, and, but again, like I still think at the moment we've got options with the depth of the squad that we have. And you know Sykes can play on the right wing. We've seen that before yeah. as well. So I mean, if you had to um, choose one player to come in, I would, I would you know, 100% vouch for a centre-half. To come in, just so you have that extra bit of cover, and you don't have to you don't have to push Sam Long into the centre back position, which is what you would do if one of the centre backs got injured, because Long's been playing brilliantly on the right. It's just kind of, I think that's a, the most important position, to be honest. I got some um, tweets from the Bristol Rovers fan base. I, I just put a screenshot of the tweets in order, so you've got effing rubbish, disgraceful, awful. Another one that says liquidate. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed going through that. Just taking underused pleasure. word liquidate. Yeah, I enjoy. I thought that was good. You know, B R F C Ollie liquidate. Um, in terms of what League One looks at looks like, so obviously we had we missed out on the Northampton game as well, didn't we? Where a lot of other teams were playing. Still don't really understand that. Don't, I don't understand how at this level games getting called off for that. Um, does a cover do the job for rain, John? Tell me. No, it's not, is is the cover only literally for like kind of ice and it's, yeah, and whatever. I think when yeah. you okay, answer, answered your own question, there, so yeah, that's, I mean, uh, it's a good job the game wasn't played today because Oxford's under like half a foot of snow this morning. I just thought drainage was just like a standard thing in you know in the EFL, like you'd sort that out across the pitch, so you deal with the water logging. Anyway, we didn't play, <laughs> and so it meant that. Other teams kind of got ahead, but now we're still looking in much better shape in the league. So, like, 11th place, obviously really good form. Six points off uh, the playoffs with a few games in hand on some teams, like notably Charlton, who have played three more games than us. Um, 
anything stand out to anyone yesterday? It was nice to see Swindon throw away a 2-0 lead away at Charlton, conceded in the 90th minute. It's beautiful, put, isn't it? Hull put a, uh, a marker out, didn't they, winning 4-0 at Portsmouth? Wow, yeah, Although, considering how yeah. good Pompey had looked. Although Pompey's set their half score two own goals. <laughs> True that, good point. Uh, um, that was quite funny. But yeah, Fleetwood have kind of shot down a bit. Joey's obviously gone, isn't he? Um, who's in charge there? Someone was saying yesterday, like youth, Joey was saying the youth team manager or something. Yeah, it's, the, it's their youth team manager for the moment with some interesting bookies odds that we'll touch on in the preview. Right, there you go. Um, okay. Well, should we talk about the games that are coming up then? Go on, go on oh, Connor. Sorry. Can I just say, looking at the, and obviously the listeners can't see this right in front of them now, but looking at the form table, doesn't it look great to just see Oxford United with win, 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 win? Like, compared oh, yeah. to the We're team the below team us. That. Yeah, exactly. And the teams below us have, have got draws and losses all over there, all over their... Uh, their recent form, so it's nice to see that we're kind of we're on the up and we're we're kind of pushing towards the playoffs again, which is which is good. Absolutely, yeah. We're surging. We are. We are. Right, uh, John. Do you want to talk about Rochdale? It holds a really special place in my heart. Does Rochdale after that four nil win the last time we went there? Yeah. Well, it was a while back now, but Rochdale on a Tuesday night is a. F- is a phrase and a sentence I'll never take for granted again, I think, <laughs> um, after what we've all been through this year. I mean, we beat them 3-1 earlier in the season, which was one of the first more comfortable home wins we had, even though we were still in a general period of, of rot. But it was um, the one where Moore scored twice, lovely assist by Ford, which I drooled over at the time. Oh, yes, the drooling. Yeah, and uh, and Shodder's got, got one as well. So... Um, you say comfortable though, but they looked quite good that day. I remember. Well, they, yeah, I mean, they play a very nice sort of possession-based football, but as I'm about to uh, illustrate with their form, doesn't get them very far. But it is very interesting. So I mean, Rochdale's form, and this is absolutely mad when I started looking at it. So I mean, they drew two all yesterday against Gillingham uh, with uh, Alex Macker and Jordan Graham playing, and they only lost in the 90th minute because of a big John Akinde scoring. Then they lost the game before that. They lost 1-0 away to Donny. So fair enough. Then <laughs> listen to these results. So it goes 3-all versus Wigan, 4-4 versus Charlton. And there were some wonder goals in that, which we'll come back to. 3-3 versus Crew. Then they lost to Gillingham 4-1. Then they beat Wigan 5-0. Then they lost to Peterborough <laughs> 4-1. And then they lost to Lincoln 2-0. And they beat Plymouth away 4-0, which tells you, obviously, they score a lot of goals. So they're the fifth highest scoring team in the league. I, I was literally just looking at that. I was I was looking at the, the goals they scored and yeah. trying to work out that they would um, be top six if it was on So, there. But they've also conceded 43, which makes them the third most, uh, conceding the third most, and hence why they're 19th. I mean, definitely go and look at the goals in the 4 all Charlton game, which I think Jackie flagged up to everyone where um, Quadrado Bar, no relation to Ibrahim Bar, which is a Galazzo on Channel 4 Serie A reference for anyone who doesn't get it, um, scored two absolute perlers um, that are well worth a watch. And he is definitely one to look out for. Um, Rochdale seems to be good at churning out like lively wingers. Like we had Mendes Lang before this, who went to, to Cardiff. But, I mean, he's 
one of the goals, he literally just cuts in and absolutely creams it in the top corner. So he'll he'll look like he'll be he'll be worth um worth looking at. Um, Matthew Lund is the top scorer with nine from midfield, and he scored the penalty against us when we played them earlier in the season. Um, Ollie Rathbone's another one, sort of ex-Man U player, played sort of 160 games for them since 2016. So he's a sort of central midfield dynamo type, I think. But they do, as you touched on, James, they play 4-4-2, which is pretty rare these days. Um, so they're very attacking, and I imagine they sort of play the ball across defence and they get caught out. But they've they've stuck with their manager, Brian Barry Murphy, who was a sort of journeyman fullback type, but seems to like to play ultimate football a bit. Um, not M- not MK levels of ultimate football, I don't think, but, um, but still. So it's a bit of a an interesting one, really. Kind of hard to call, but I think there will be goals is um, an easy thing to easy thing to say. But I don't know how people are feeling off the back of that uh, <laughs> readout on their form. It's crazy. Well, they, they've only lost one. Just even looking at the table, they've only lost one of their last five. It's just they haven't won any of those games. Yeah. So it's like they're they're a competitive team, and like you say, they're top top five six for goals scored. So we've got to be got to be on our toes, and you know they'll fancy themselves, won't they, at home to be competitive and get a result. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, quick predictions, and then we'll do Fleetwood, which are a different kettle of uh, fish. See what I did there. Very good. I, oh, I'm going to oh, go Christ. with... Uh, that wasn't unintentional, I'm... actually. <laughs> <laughs> For God's sake. Uh, I'm going to go with um, a 1-0 a one nil away win. Ooh. Connor? I'm going to go 3-2 away win. Oh, exciting. Uh, they score goals, so... Yeah, I, I think we'll win 2-1. A nervy 2-1 win. Yeah, I could see a, I can see a sort of a two-all possibly actually, um, but I think we could absolutely win it. Um, there's no reason why we shouldn't do. Our defense is pretty good, um, so I think we can win it. Yeah, two-one would be good as well. Ace, okay. Well, there you go. We're beating Rochdale on Tuesday. That was going to say positives um, all round. Yeah, it, that will be massive though, won't it? Going into a game against a team that. Like if we can get the result against uh, Rochdale, then going into the game against a team we haven't ever beaten ever in our history of the club, um, yeah, the Corn Swagglers, whatever they're called, um, are anyway. they? Right. <laughs> what? I don't think so. Yeah. Fish, fish <laughs> Pugwash. Anyway, right, Fleetwood. Oh, James. <laughs> Yeah, so as James has touched on, we've played them 12 times and we've never beaten them. Um, their youth team coach is currently in charge, but I was just looking at the favourite for the job and it's currently Tim Cahill. So, oh, good eye, mate. So, yeah, so, <laughs> so question to the group. If you've been tied in League One, who's got to the playoffs a couple of seasons running and you're always looking upwards and then the favourite for your manager's job is someone who's never managed in England, yet alone League One. What would your thoughts be? Bonza. <laughs> Hasn't he been on Quest doing the punditry every now and then? Yeah, I think Cahill. so. I don't think he's done much managerial stuff anywhere. So, I don't know. Is, is this a bit like when we were linked with Frank Lampard? <laughs> yeah, but at least we, we did like Frank Lampard, didn't we? So, now look very, at him. It's a very strange one. But yeah, and then so the, the, the youth team manager who's in caretaker charge is 
up there as well. And then James Beattie has not had a job for a while. So it feels like they don't really know who they want to appoint and they're just getting ex-Everton players in the mix. Beattie was there as a coach, wasn't he? Is that Sorry, right? yeah. BT was there as a coach. That's what yeah, that's about. Yeah. So yeah. maybe, maybe they said to Cahill that there's a good like surf culture in Fleetwood. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Loads, just, loads of surfing going on. Just, just drop, down. just drop it. <laughs> Any more stereotypes to him? <laughs> say, yeah. Is he going to come in wearing his thongs? I was going to say. So, so next week when Cahill's on the bench, uh, on the dugout, wearing corks from his hat, then we know. <laughs> anyway, um, with a didgeridoo in hand. So earlier this season, we lost two nil, having conceded in the first minute. James Henry then missed a penalty, and it just generally went um, as it does away at Fleetwood. Um, any special memories? I know John and James, you went last season. I think it was, and we weren't very good again. No, it was rubbish, wasn't it? Yeah, um, so... two, wasn't that another 2-0? Uh, Elliot, Elliot Moore scored one oh, in yeah, that, sorry, in that yeah. game. Um, yeah, I just sort of think, as you were going to touch on, Fleetwood have always got so... They've got a lot of good players and yeah. um, just fill me with dread. I think the one the one single highlight from any game against Fleetwood was when Dave Kitson scored in the last minute a few seasons ago and that's the one highlight out of 12 games we've got against them. So we shall see. Yeah. Um, so their form is is not great. So they've only won once since the 21st of November um, and they haven't actually won at all in their last six. It's a bit similar to Rochdale. Um, so their last six has seen draws uh, against Pompey, Crew, and Wigan home and away. They also lost to Pompey and MK Dons. So they've played a couple of clubs twice in quick succession. Um, they sit 12th at the minute, which is one point behind us, having played two more. Um, and they, they go to Northampton on Tuesday night. Uh, when we're at Rochdale. Their squad is quite a unique mix, really. So they've got a lot of senior pros in there, like Sir Charlie Mulgrew's on loan from Blackburn, Glenn Whelan, um, Mark Duffy. So all your 30, 33-year-olds. Some very good players. Callum Camps, who I always rave about, has got eight goals from midfield so far. And then quite a few young players. Um, so a, a chap called Shaden Morris, who's 19, started away at Wigan yesterday. Uh, they've got a few others who play the odd minute. They've actually done a bit of movement in January as well. So Ched Evans, who got suspended when Joey Barton was there um, for the alleged reason is taking a mick out of Barton's disciplinary regime um, by providing some memes in the dressing room showing all the coaching staff wearing gloves, um, amongst <laughs> other things. He's now gone out on loan to Preston. Um, Paul Coots, who was club captain and played every game this season, has been let out on loan to Salford. Um, they kind of brought in Janoy Donacian on loan from Ipswich. And then Kyle Vassell, who had a six-game loan spell with us in 14-15, has been brought in up front to partner Paddy Madden. So on Is paper, Paddy Madden starting now? Because he, he wasn't starting all their games. No, he wasn't. So when, when Chad Evans was there, Madden was kind of rotation. But since Evans has been... Out the door, he, he started most games. Um, so yeah, I've, I've three players to look at. Paddy Madden's a goal scorer, and he got nineteen last season in the shortened shortened campaign. He's got five goals and four assists so far this year, but hasn't scored in six. Which he is... scored against us, didn't it? Didn't yeah, he did. yes, he scored second. Yeah. Um, the other two have picked out Danny Andrew at left back, who's a good solid left back for this level. Played every game this season. Not overly attacking. He's he's not going to be like Ruffledinio or whatever we're calling him. 
but he's a, he's a good good outlet on the left hand side. And then Sam Finley in midfield's an interesting one. So he used to play for Accrington. He's a kind of ball playing, aggressive little midfielder. But um, Accrington got rid of him in kind of August time because he was serving an eight match ban. Um, because he called Rochdale's Paul McShane a pikey in relation to him being Irish um, and got an eight-match ban um, oh under FA kind of disciplinary charges. Um, oh so if would promptly signed him in October. Oh. Um, and they, they've, they, they play a 4-3-3, so Madden and Vassell with kind of a rotation of a wider player at times. Um, they've got a lot of depth in midfield, but more recently, they've stopped scoring, so they've only scored five goals in the last 10 league games. So, with all the history and everything, I'm finding this one a bit of a tough one to call. Um, I, I think they'll probably come and be quite negative in comparison to how they usually play. I don't know what everyone else is thinking, James. Oh, sorry, I'm still thinking about the eight-match pikey ban. To be <laughs> <laughs> uh I, don't, I I think this will be. I think this is the time. I I still think if we carry on the form um, against Rochdale, I think that plays a massive part in how we get on in this game as well. So I, I think if we beat Rochdale or come away from that with a positive performance and even a draw, I'm feeling really good that this will be the time where we finally do over Fleetwood. Um, their form, as you say, just isn't quite there at the moment, and I think it's. The, t- the change of management hasn't seemed to really work work for them. They haven't won in their last, what was it? They at least haven't won in their last five looking at the table. So I'm not sure when the last time they did. Would you say it was end of November or something? Uh, yeah, I think so. Against Swindon. Well, that's good, I guess. Um, but yeah, with that in play, I don't think they'll be wanting to play us. Um, so I'm going to go for a a 2-1 victory. Connor, feeling more confident than that? Are we going to thrash him for the first time ever? No. Um, I don't think we're going to thrash him at all. Um, I think it's going to be uh, probably a little bit of return of the curse. I I have a strange feeling that we'll beat Rochdale and then we'll end up losing to to Fleetwood just because it will just continue the, like you say, the the curse. Um, There's no Captain Pugwash music though. Yeah, oh, thank God. No Pugwash music to sap the soul out of the players. Oh. That music is horrific. Um, yeah, having said that, I'm going to be. Co- I am going to go confident myself and and say a one nil away win. I think that'll be that'll be yeah. That would be great. Oh, well, we are at home, so that would be one nil. A one nil home win. <laughs> and John, well, I'm going to predict we're playing at home for a starting point. <laughs> See, this, um, I haven't been on the pod for so long. I've just basically forgotten everything about football. I, th- I mean, this is our toughest game since we played Hull, like well over what seven games at home. Um, I think it'll be really interesting. I think whilst the fact their form is rubbish, they've got a new manager in. They've got the players who will be tap game smart to probably play away against us that we know some teams can cause us problems in, but we are very confident. Um, I think I'd take a draw, and I think it it probably will be a draw. Didn't they boss us last season? Yeah, when we were both both teams were on reasonable form, and they came to our place. Wasn't it three one? And they absolutely tore us a new one. Yeah, they, um, they did. Um, 
that's why I mean beat Rochdale to draw at Fleetwood. That's that's a good four points two games. Um, so I think it's going to be a really really difficult one. And uh, yeah, I think we'll draw because I just don't want to predict another loss to them. There Jack, you go. What are you We're going to do all right against the Cod Army then. Where was your prediction? Did you predict? I just said it's going to be nervy. <laughs> oh, that's not reason to come. I, 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 I don't think we'll win. I think we'll draw. But as, as I say, if we if we win on Tuesday and seven, seven from nine this week would be a great return. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, I think we've covered a lot in an hour and 15. Um, so yeah, next pod will probably be similar time next week. Um, obviously, we'll be reflecting on Rochdale and Fleetwood. And as we say, let's hope that's that's at least four points from those two games. Um, and if we do get that, I, the table will absolutely start to be looking more positive, you think, as well. Um, you just got to hope that COVID and whatever doesn't just keep playing such a part where all teams have just played such a kind of... There's such a disparity in the amount of games that teams have played because it's really hard to look and assess the table, isn't it, when it's like that? Anyway, all right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um Hope you've all got some good New Year's resolutions and we'll uh, pick pick up pick back up next week. See you later.